today we're going to be talking a little bit about a recent trip that we've taken. Nowhere very exotic, but we have just returned from a week in Centre Parks. And it made us think actually when we were packing that whiskey and alcohol in general is a big part of our packing journey or routine. Um, so we just thought we'd share that with you and see if you had any ideas or thoughts about what you do to prepare for your alcoholic beverages whilst you're away. Um, so yeah, that's what we're talking through. Nice. news this week it is uh, mostly one that we want to share from our side actually massive massive news from us is that our Ben Rinnis our gorgeous nine-year-old Pedro Jimenez uh, sherry cask finished uh, whiskey single cask single malt actually got double gold mm. at the San Francisco spirits competition um, we, we tell you about uh, medals relatively often so we're you know, quite fortunate that we have scored now 20 um, awards since we started our, uh, our journey through being whiskey producers. Uh, but this one is actually uh, the most uh, prestigious award that any whiskey can get uh, globally. So we are chuffed a bit. Really, really. Um, quite surprised as well. <laughs> but, um, That's it, when I got the email and it was all oh, check at the bottom to see what you've won and scrolling through all the information mm. and then to see double gold there was just... Unreal. Yeah. Uh, especially Very as we special. almost didn't enter it, did we? We entered it kind of thinking we weren't even going to be yeah. medalled because it's such a yeah. such a top draw comp. Yeah. But. Well, it is hard for small businesses like us as well because mm. it is costly and the investment in the stock. Our, you know, our casks, are, we don't produce a lot of bottles. Mm. Um, so it can be quite a big dent in our stock and then the cost of those. So it's when we when we do enter competitions, it's well, when we produce our whiskey anyway, it's always stuff that we really believe in. But for mm. us, it's got to be really, really important. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, now we've got to, to celebrate that. Absolutely. And we haven't even had time to celebrate properly. <laughs> we found out, and I was working some events, like markets in the Northwest, and straight off on holiday. Um. And uh, with the kids, you can't really celebrate too boozy, can you? And then, uh, you tried. I did have a go, right? But, <laughs> and also, allegedly, and we find out in a couple of weeks, if we actually get a real medal, I know, that's one of the things that, whenever we win awards, I was like, oh, let's see the trophy. Mm -hmm. And very rare these days that we get the trophy. It's normally a PDF or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Here's brilliant. your print-at-home certificate. Thanks for that, lads. <laughs> yeah. Put a lot of graft into that. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, so happy days with that. And, uh, yeah, we just wanted to share that news with you guys. And so on to our main topic of discussion which is travelling with whiskey, or booze in general. Um, we've, uh, as Kirsty said earlier, we've been uh, in centre parks for the last few days, uh, doing all kinds of lovely outdoor activities with the kids, not looking at Zoom, which is amazing for me especially. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we've, we, we kind of thought when we're out there, or you thought more than me, um, that there is actually a whole routine, isn't there, around yeah. packing for a holiday when it involves booze and what you're going to actually consume it. and it's become part of our normal life now isn't mm. it people often laugh when we turn up to places and you know we're prepared for our stay with our alcohol and um but for us it's really important isn't it you know you've spent all this money on a holiday and you want this time away and you, you know trying to make it the best you can so you prepare it you know with all your clothes and everything else mm. um and so why isn't alcohol part of your packing routine yeah I mean, for me i've i've always taken either miniatures or 20 cl bottles with me on the holiday anyway because i could never trust wherever i was I was going to have a good enough bar frankly and it wasn't just going to serve generic stuff so i've always kind of done that and nowadays i have that gorgeous wooden crate mm -hmm. it's like an old 
of, I don't know, like ship crate type yeah. thing with wood uh, with uh, rope handles on it. Perfect size actually for uh, samples roughly these sizes to just rack them up and uh, clear some space on the desk as well, to be really honest, of all the samples that accumulate. Um, and then on the gin front, we, we do spend quite a lot of time, don't we, just staring at the gin shelf, yeah. working out which one we're going to take with us mm -hmm. and that probably won't come home again. Well, that's the thing as well. It can't be too beautiful a bottle either because no. I like to be able to leave the bottle behind. Yes. Don't want to carry ex excess packaging home. No. So, um, yeah, we always have to factor that in as well yeah. because we don't want to keep if we don't want to keep the bottle afterwards. Yeah, and also if there's space in the car, choose a few which have low fill levels, don't yes. we, just so that you've got a few things cleared out so that it justifies buying and opening yeah. more. And there's also that panic of when you get there, you know, when we're unpacking or whatever, especially before we have children, mm. first thing we do is want to have a drink and it's like, oh, I didn't want to go down to the bar straight away or whatever, mm. so open the whiskeys or the gin straight away and chill out really, that's when the holiday starts. Yeah. I mean, before this, the holiday really started when we were traveling through, going through duty free. Yes. That, oh, that was a big man. part of our going away ritual. Yeah. And all those, that, that, um, what's it called, caviar prunier places at the yeah. airport, so nice champagne and assorted smoked fish, mm. kind of a uh, uh, kickstart to any holiday, wasn't mm. it? But we'd always go and seek out the, the mm. um, travel retail exclusive, didn't yes. we, and see what we could try. We'd always have to factor in extra time at the airport oh, yeah. beforehand. The photos of the bottles as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's even whenever, wherever I go, even if I'm going down to London for an overnight meeting, I take a bottle just in case. Um, you don't want to be left dry either if a, <laughs> if a bar shuts early or they've just got a rubbish selection, do you? Um, and obviously we encourage drinking responsibly yeah, course, yeah. <laughs> all of it. It's a given, it's a given. <laughs> As we holiday with two young children. Yes, and a crate of <laughs> miniature booze, but yeah. Um, but it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because you, you kind of... Like in what we do, so many samples kind of cross our desks and, and kind of just accumulate everywhere in the office. It just, it's a useful way of clearing through a few of them mm. without having to actually take a full bottle. You just take all the samples you can see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, helpful time. <laughs> so yeah, let us know in the comments or across social media or whatever, um, how you travel with booze. If there's any particular kind of ritual that you have either in packing or consuming, or if you only take a certain bottle with you at any given time. We'd be fascinated to learn more. And now another question that we regularly get asked on virtual tastings uh, from our customers at markets, and that is blended scotch, single malt, single cask. What are those, what do those terms mean? What are the differences? Mm. Uh, what should be looking for and what should be my favorites? Which I always find quite interesting <laughs> because to me, your favourite is whatever you've tried and you like, mm. uh, but somehow these terms make people think that automatically they should like a whiskey more than others, and that's not really the case for me. It's all about your favourites, but in terms of what those um, actual terms mean, mm. yeah, let's go for it. So, um, so three very different things. Um, the uh, blended Scotch is a blend of uh, malt whiskies and grain whiskies, all aged at least three years. Um, in cask has to be an oak cask by law um, and then they can be blended together so from multiple distilleries grain malt uh, different vintages different cask types blended together and the classic brands there would be like Dewar's but also Shivers Ballantines Grants as well Teachers um, and having a look around the office to see what other blends I can remember ah oh, some of the uh, fantastic uh, compass box releases as well um, are blends so 
amazing brands sit within the blended scotch world and actually accounts for about 91.4 percent of all scotch whiskey consumed globally the biggest one being the only one i probably haven't mentioned johnny walker uh, johnny black being the most consumed whiskey on the planet um and yeah it's it's an incredible category one that i think a lot of people overlook um erroneously because without blends we wouldn't have scotch whiskey and that's that's a fundamental and that's truth. what i mean about people asking about their mm. favorites it's you know oh well, i don't like blends oh. but actually you try some yeah. <laughs> they're really really good there are some incredible blends out there and the blends are the ones that are actually pushing real innovation at the mm. minute as well when you think of uh Jews with their um uh, uh their recent cast finishes from illegal smooth the mezcal um, also some of their other pioneering stuff that's coming through uh, like quadruple or double double aging then you look at Shivers who had the first tequila uh, cask uh, finish blend for their 13 year old I think it was last year uh, may not have tasted the most amazing thing ever created but it's innovation and it was interesting and I'm sure there'll be another release of that imminently um, and then all of the blenders are actually the ones that are the fascinating brand stories as well as people pin their, their kind of love of uh, uh, distilleries and single malts, which we'll get onto in a bit, um, on a distillery like the Talisker Distillery or the Teeling Distillery over in Ireland or the Brookladdie Distillery, which we hear about all the time, or Lefroig or Aberfeldy or Crag and Moore or Fetacan. Whilst people do that, that's because really you have a point of reference or a single point of provenance as well you can see the stills in an image you can go and visit in normal times the distillery itself try some amazing stuff walk around feel the heat smell it kind of get that lovely feel that you get from a distillery right whereas with blends you don't normally get that so they normally have what's called brand homes which are um uh like kind of located in experiences within distillery experiences so for johnny walker that's at the cardu distillery uh for uh let's see Dewars, that's at the Aberfeldy Distillery, of course, one of the absolute best uh, distillery experiences there is. Uh, for uh, Shivers, the uh, Strathyla Distillery, wow, what a beautiful place to visit. And they have their own uh, blending room where you as a punter mm. can go around and blend your own um, Shivers blends. Fan fantastic, beautifully and quite thoughtfully designed as mm. well, I must add. And they've done really well at rolling that out across the country as well. Yeah. In Manchester, they had the blending. Um, In the loft, trips, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really tastefully done and such mm. a good experience. Absolutely. Um, then you move on to single malts. So single malts, as I said, that's where you get that kind of heartland brand love normally uh, from a distillery. I love Longmorn whiskey or I love Ben React distillery or the Dalmore, etc. Fine. But blends, are, uh, sorry, single malts are still blends, but they're blends from one distillery uh, with no grain in there. And when you tell people that normally upsets them mm. especially when we do our, our outdoor events like at markets and that you get the odd person um and they you always kind of you feel it when they're coming up to you don't they when you you know do you, you're interested in whiskey you want to try ours we'll start with our blend it's the most approachable flavor profile oh i don't drink blends i only drink singles mm. like let me tell you a story son. <laughs> and you, then you explain it that they are also blends they uh, you can almost see them behind the eyes going God damn, I'll yeah. never, never feel the same again. <laughs> so I'm glad. You dissed my product, I'll yeah. ruin your afternoon. Um, and so single malts are incredible. Think of like the Laphroaig distillery, and you can go and experience the true history of over 200 years of distilling. Mm -hmm. um, and even the modern ones, like Teeling over in Ireland, which is you know, incredible. 
um, or even the, the, the kind of ones you can't visit, like Glenbergi or Dal Munich. They're insanely amazing distilleries, um, but you have to vicariously live them through press or bloggers <laughs> or Google images. But they're lovely distilleries, so technologically advanced, it's unbelievable. But they create single malt. Most of their malt goes into blended scotch um, as top dressing, which we call it. Um, uh, so blends typically will have about 75-80% grain whiskey and then the rest will be uh, topped up with uh, malt whiskey as top dressing to give it that kind of character, the flavour, the mouthfeel, that kind of thing. But then you graduate into single cask. The single cask is really, in my view, at the top of that pyramid because mm. um, it is still single malt because it's from one distillery, that's what the single means, but it's one cask from one distillery capturing a moment in time. And that quintessential flavor profile of that distillery and that's kind of what we specialize in yeah. is that kind of top triangle in the pyramid um and uh, yeah we absolutely love hunting for those amazing casks mm -hmm. right? yeah that's it and for me i always speak to people about when we select our single casks it is so special because no two casks are the same even though they've sat beside each other in a distillery and were filled on the same day mm. you know we've often had cast tastings where they don't taste totally different because obviously the distillery um flavor character. profile and character yeah. goes into the same but you know how it's taken to the wood it can mm. really vary and that that for me is what makes it really special because that cannot be repeated no matter mm. how many times you do the same process again it still could be different like there's oh, you just 100%. you just never know what could be different in it when um after the cask has been filled so do you remember those three casks we tried at the lefroy distillery in 2014 actually yes when they had been in that warehouse one mm -hmm. their entire maturation and as part of the uh, water to whiskey tour yeah, which is phenomenal yeah. if they still do that do it it is insane it feels expensive when you're booking it 82 mm -hmm. quid when we did it something like that but it's a whole day of Lefroy and you get to drink that 82 quid back yeah. but you also get and eat it it was an amazing picnic. and lunch yeah, yeah. Although the having the dip of the brown water source water while seeing the sheep that had just done their business <laughs> in it wasn't the most ideal experience. But it was one that completed the circle, right? Um, but then at the end of it, you got to walk into Warehouse One where Prince Charles mm. cask is laying as well. And um, and you got to try, or you got to draw, didn't you? Uh, draw the samples from yeah. three different uh, casks that had been maturing next to each other. But all three, same same shape, same size, same age, same everything, wildly different flavor yeah. profiles. Um, and so we all got to try them. And then our favorite, you got to bottle into a 20CL gift bottle to take back. We still have those, yeah. by the way. I was dusting them the other day whilst uh, reorganizing. <laughs> you were dusting them. Bottles are the only thing I dust. And uh, annoyingly, I haven't got around to doing the bar, but I did update the uh, the cage with all the, mm. all the fun stuff in. Um, and so they did actually get a cheeky dust. Um, yes, yeah, so they're the three main types. You also have blended malt, which is where you blend single malts together, effectively, uh, from different distilleries. Um, and and then you also have a single grain as well, uh, where it is a grain whiskey from grain distillation, uh, distilleries even, um, that don't really get talked about all that often, but it's normally a lot more smooth in flavour profile and character, got a lovely kind of vanilla sweetness to it. Uh, we love single grain, and by the time this goes live, We'll have just launched our new Strathclyde 15-year-old. Happy days. Um, so, um, so yeah, look out for that. I think that answered it. Yeah. That answered it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, cool. Awesome. And one of the questions that we get, get asked quite a lot as well is all about casks. You know, it's influence in the whiskey. Why um, are 
with bourbons, or bourbon casks so wildly, wildly, uh, widely used mm. in the whiskey industry. And so we thought we'd answer that for you today. Yeah, it's a great question. And as Casey said, we get asked uh, face to face, Zoom to Zoom, yeah. whatever the term is on that. <laughs> and um, Virtually. Virtually, that's, yeah, we'll keep it that, yeah. Um, uh, it's always one that we get asked, because, you know, sherry casks, the releases that are matured in sherry casks are typically more expensive. Mm. People don't necessarily know why. Um, and then all different things like Madeira, uh, Moscatel, uh, Fino Sherry, all that kind of stuff. There's so many different types of casks nowadays, and red wine casks especially, beer seasoned casks, all sorts. But to answer the main question there of uh, the bourbon casks, they're the most prominent in the industry, and roughly, it's about 85, maybe 90% of all Scotch whiskies matured in ex-bourbon casks. Um, a, because it always gives a base flavour that is consistent, really easy to make sure that you've got a solid base those gorgeous vanilla and oak notes that's always come through and then slight variation depending on the type of oak if it's american oak or european oak of course and the different spirit that was in there before be it x rye x bourbon x whatever um but in in those kind of different styles within those categories um, but then also out of all the casks they're the cheapest mm. because from american whiskies um standpoint you cannot use a cask for bourbon production twice you can only ever use it once. And because of that, there's a massive surplus of casks whenever they're producing their next run. So uh, the canny Scots called up America and said, hey America, it's Scotland. Can we have your ex-bourbon casks, please, um, for maturing our whiskey? And it just kind of works. And also they're the cheapest because they are uh, mostly available. So in terms of cost, you're looking at about 220 quid ex-bat for an ex-bourbon cask. Whereas a sherry cask, be it a hogshead, which is uh, 250 litres ish or the sherry butt at um, about 500 litres you're looking at over a grand over a thousand pounds for those casks um, so there's a massive difference there which obviously gets factored in like when we're doing releases it's a massive deal for us if we spend an extra grand just on the wood but it works and that's why we do it for releases such as our Craig Ellicke, for example back at the beginning or our new uh, double gold award winning San Francisco Spirits competition, Ben Rinnes, that we wanted to invest in the whiskey to do it justice and get the best we could out of it. And it works. Um, you then have uh, all these different uh, types of casks. They all impart different flavors, but bourbon's the most prominent, followed by Oloroso sherry. And then you get the more niche sherry casks like PX, Pedro Jimenez, the sweet sherry cask, or even Fino and Paolo Cotardo as well. Um, and rum casks are being used more and more. I'd love to get my hands on a rum cask, but they're not, they're not that available for small producers. No. You have to own a rum distillery, <laughs> seemingly, to get them. Um, one day, though. Eh? No, we will never own a rum distillery. No, get the cask, get the cask. <laughs> we'll call up someone in, the, in the, I don't know, the, like Jamaica or somewhere and get them to send over one. That'd be mm. lovely, wouldn't it? Oh, we could have got one when we nearly went to Barbados. Ah, yeah. COVID. And COVID. Mm. <laughs> All those air miles we then got sent back. All about planning our alcohol for our travel. <laughs> we missed out on. I know. Well, that would have been full bottles, though, not necessarily mm. the miniatures. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can dream. Indeed. Indeed. Brilliant. If there's any more questions, please do send them through. We'll endeavour to answer at least one every single episode. And now it's time for Whiskey of the Week. And this is where we each choose one bottle that we've been enjoying over the last few days. 
And um, for me, I'll go first. Do you want me to go first? Oh, I can go first. Uh, for me, it is a rather tall bottle, so I'm going to have to hold it really far back. Um, but it is the latest Bimba. Oh, what? The camera's not picking that up good enough at all. I'll read it instead. The latest Bimba batch four of their uh, London uh, single malt London whiskey. Uh, small batch Oloroso cask finished in Spanish Oloroso sherry butt. Mm. Mm -hmm. Only 975 bottles, 51.2 ABV. Um, and this, I have to say, I was rather smug. I still am actually, even just holding it rather smug because I don't think anyone opens their bimbers. They're, no, they're so hard to come by. They're like the uh, the Ardbeg of English whiskey, I describe <laughs> them as, uh, where everyone buys all the committee releases from Ardbeg and within nanoseconds they're on the next auction. Um, and Bimba's basically the same, same. isn't it? Uh, whereas I have a very different philosophy on whiskey. If I can get it, I'll open that bloody thing and drink it. Um, and so I've wanted to have uh, some Bimba in the collection for a long time. And they're actually similar to, Ard I think I'd say Ardbeg honed my one of these abilities that I've picked up in the whiskey industry and Bimba's kind of perfected it of the speed that I can refresh a website <laughs> until a whiskey becomes available. Literally those two fingers just command R constantly um, until it's available and then click, 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 let's go. And um, yeah, I was very fortunate to be able to pick up one bottle of that and one bottle of their port cask when they released uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and then you have the nervous wait to see if you actually got the thing. Can we try it? Okay, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. fine. Um, so it's from London, uh, my, my hometown. Everything of Bimba that I've tried, I've absolutely loved a bit. Um, and this one on the nose is marginally more floral than I would normally go for, I have to say. But it still has that gorgeous kind of sweetness to it. And a very approachable flavour profile for 51.2, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's a nice sweetness, almost burnt sugar, like um, creme brulee. Mm. Yeah. a dangerous sign when you ask for a second sip of a limited edition. I'm going to have to hide it, aren't I? That is really, really good. Oh, God, where am I going to hide that? <laughs> oh. oh, I'm going to have to find some movable floor It is that <laughs> sweetness, that burnt sugar, the, like, almost toffee apple. Because mm. you do get them that, that fresh sweetness at the end, but with the lovely caramelised note yeah. to begin with. I genuinely think it's one of the, the best whiskies released this year. Mm. So it's really far. thick as well, isn't yeah, it? It's a bigger. For 51% as well, that's, that's quite dangerous. Yeah. It's very drinkable for such oh. high ABV. And you also get though, those kind of those deep dark fruits, but they're more they're more subtle, aren't they? Mm, yeah. I'd hazard a guess it was a second fill Oloroso butt that they finished it in. Um, yeah, even by the colour. Yeah, hasn't got. Well, it is quite. It's got some. Yeah. Not as deep as it probably could be if it was a first fill. Mm. Um, so you put it up to, there it is, that's a first fill sherry cask. So one of ours, the Ben Rinnis, and you can't even really see the light through that yeah. in comparison. Um, so I'm guessing it's second, but I have to say it's still a potent second. Yeah. Um, genuinely upset that I was only allowed on their website to buy one of each. I really am going to hide that. <laughs> so what's your whiskey of the week then, Kirst? My whiskey of the week is the Hibiki Harmony. Uh, this is real Japanese blended whiskey. For me, I've just I've fallen in love with this one. It's a real well balanced. It does exactly what it's called, to be honest. Japanese Harmony, really smooth. It's got that lovely sweetness to it. Um, 
and a character that I'm not usually as great at pulling out is the citrus notes, but in this I really feel like they come to the front and it's just delicious. The brand obviously made famous in that Lost in Translation film, wasn't it? Oh yeah. In 2008, Bill Murray. Absolute classic. Although that was mm. the 17 year old. Mm. Um, released while I was in Japan for the first time. Well, while you're talking about that, the bottle is absolutely beautiful. It's real um, drinks table worthy. Um, the bottle um, itself rep represents the seasons in Japan. Um, but for me, it just makes it look so beautiful, so decadent. Um, and mm. it definitely is a countertop worthy. I doubt many bottle. of them get recycled. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Although we haven't got one on our bar yet. Yeah, I've got an empty one down oh, there. I was going to say, it's because it's we haven't waiting. got an empty one. So in our kitchen, we've got a shelf of all our the beautiful bottles that we want to keep. And um, we've been I've been looking after one of those for it, or looking for one for ages, but we've never finished a bottle to put it up there. Oh, I did you a favour last week. <laughs> Thank you. That's so kind. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a stunning one, isn't it? I mean, mm. as, a, as a range as well, it's beautiful. I was very fortunate when I was last in Japan two years ago. Um, I got to go to the Hakushu distillery, and at the end, they have a cash bar where you can try all kinds of Japanese whiskies you can't try anywhere else in the world, like not released anywhere. Yeah. And so everyone else on my tour, I was the only non-domestic um, tourist, which was quite strange. Yeah. Um, and at every point during the tour, they uh, they uh, they gave me these earphones to listen to what they were saying in English. Um, but the guide uh, clearly wasn't totally comfortable with me being there. And it wasn't a great dram thing, it was just a tourist thing, because I was over there at work. And um, and it just kept shouting over to me, Hey, white man, are you okay? I, yeah, got this. I kind of know, know this bit. This is happy times, happy times. <laughs> I'm in a very happy place. But yeah, at the bar at the end, everyone else on the tour came back with a um, a... A tray that had one highball on it, so whiskey wow. soda, and one whiskey to try. I came back with a tray of one highball, about ten whiskies, and a barman holding my second tray of whiskies. Because <laughs> so I was like, "There's not a chance I'm coming here and not trying everything on this list." Mm -hmm. I genuinely spent every single yen I took to Japan on that one bar tab. It was brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. But the point being that most of them were actually the component parts of the 17-year-old Hibiki. Oh, yeah. um, so. The Mizunara, the bourbon, and the sherry cask components. Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Great product, great whiskey, great brand. Great Excellent. bottle. Really great drams. <laughs> there it is. Um, awesome. Well, they were, they were our whiskeys of the week, and I um, hope you enjoyed. If you have any thoughts about the two whiskeys we went through, do leave them in the comments. Um, as always, uh, do feel free to subscribe, to forward this on to people, to review, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll be at more events this weekend. Mm -hmm. You will. Um, and make sure you do drop us a message if you're making a dedicated trip because we know quite a few of you do actually which is very very kind and we do appreciate that uh, just in case plans have changed or COVID has meant that one event's cancelled and another one's popped up somewhere as does happen so just get in touch let us know and we'll, we'll do our best to give you the most updated uh, advice and, and responses we can awesome mm -hmm. cheers then and until next time <laughs>